with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Our second reading for this evening and also the text for our sermon comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul writes this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the word of the Lord. Luke 2, 1 through 20, the birth of Jesus Christ. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you great good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that has been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Charles Dickens' novel, The uh, a Christmas Carol, is about a man, Ebenezer Scrooge, whose heart was changed one Christmas. And many people like this story because this story has a happy ending. And they lived happily ever after the end. Ah. But maybe another 
Dickens' novel reflects our Christmas experience. It's the novel, A Tale of Two Cities. Let me read for you the infamous opening lines of that novel. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. Christmas can also be a a time of of contrasts in our lives, in our hearts, in our feelings. At Christmas time, we see goodwill from humans, and we also see some pretty ugly greed. We see family togetherness. Maybe that's part of why you're here tonight, is to be with your family or on vacation, enjoying the Christmas time together. But we also, at the same time, see excruciating loneliness. There's prosperity that we see, and there's also poverty that we experience. I mean, right here in, in this room, there's probably someone, some people who are up here vacationing at their second home, and there's people who have been working hard in this county for years and years and can't afford a home. We see when we come up to Summit County, up to Breckenridge, the beauty of God's creation snow-capped mountains, skiing, hiking, biking, everything that you could want. And yet, anyone who's been here for more than a few days knows that there's also an ugly spiritual apathy that hangs around this community. We see the spring of hope, and during Christmas time, we experience the winter of acute despair. It's the best of times, and it's the worst of times. Now, don't get me wrong. (laughs) We all want Christmas to be perfect, to be happy. We all want a, a holly jolly Christmas, and so we hang tinsel on our trees and lights and and we buy gifts and presents and we eat too much turkey and it's all an attempt to make this the most wonderful time of the year but then the other shoe drops next month we'll get things called credit card statements <laughs> and they'll show us oh maybe we overdid it a little bit in december <laughs> uh, things last year maybe were were said or done at family gatherings 
you know what I'm talking about. So that this year, you're going into the family gathering with gritted teeth, if you're going into it at all. There are people here who are, are struggling with their health or see a loved one struggling with their health and they're wondering, is this going to be their last Christmas here on earth? And there's those of us who are deeply missing loved ones, whether it be distance, whether it be death, whether it just be the cruel nature of this time of year, and we feel loneliness. And it's interesting that in the midst of this, what do we hear the Apostle Paul say? Rejoice always. Good times, bad times, ups, downs, happy, sad, rejoice. And at first glance, when someone tells you if, you, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling upset or hurt, and someone tells you, be joyful, <laughs> your, your thoughts may be, does this person have a clue? That is kind of cruel to tell me to rejoice in the midst of what I'm going through. But in order to understand where the Apostle Paul is going, well, you have to understand joy as it's often talked about in the Bible, in Scripture. There, there's all kinds of joy, God's people expressing joy, and specifically, there's joy in brokenness. We go to the Old Testament. The people of Israel were slaves to Egypt for 400 years to the Egyptians. Enslave, enslaved, working hard, no straw to make bricks. It was a rough go. Then Moses comes to deliver them. And before that deliverance happened, what is the response of the people of Israel? At first, it's, it's joy. It's rejoicing. And then when the Exodus finally does happen, Moses takes them out, and they're in the wilderness, and there's no food, and they don't have a home, and they're not sure where they're going exactly. And yet, we see they rejoice. Or, hundreds of years later, when the people of Israel are, are taken captive by other empires, we see in the midst of that, in that brokenness, when they have to leave their home, when they, they have to leave their loved ones, we see them express joy. Our Lord Jesus tells us to rejoice. And he tells us to rejoice when people persecute us, Matthew chapter 5, he tells us this. When people reject us for preaching the good word, for preaching the gospel, Jesus tells us to, to rejoice. And so it's this type of rejoicing 
that we, we recognize when the Apostle Paul talks about uh, rejoicing, he, he's not just talking about huh, putting on that fake plastic smile. Turn that frown upside down, you silly. We know it's not that easy, but he is telling us to have joy in the midst of our sadness, in the midst of our sorrow. See, joy is, a, is an attitude. It's a gift from God that's given to us in spite of our circumstances. Maybe you're having a great day. Maybe it's beautiful, but maybe you're not. Regardless, we can have joy. Why? Because we have joy in the fact that our Lord Jesus was born came into this world, born to die so that we could have life. What, is, what do we see the angels tell the shepherds? Rejoice! I bring you good news that brings great joy. Right? So we, we can see this joy is a gift passed on by the good news of our Lord Jesus. Now Jesus himself in life and death, whew, he didn't always have the best, easiest circumstances going for him, right? I mean, he's born, and his first crib is a feeding trough. He's born to a blue-collar man and a teenage mother. He's born in a circumstance where he's a slave, a servant. It's not exactly a glorious birth that we see. Not only that, but Jesus, when he grew up, didn't become an emperor, didn't become a Roman general, a general of an army, he didn't become a statesman, didn't become an investment banker and make lots of money. No, what did Jesus do? He was an itinerant preacher, and he washed people's feet, right? Not generally the things that make for a, a happy life, right? As an adult, as he went around, what do we see? That Jesus was homeless, right? He says this in Matthew chapter 8. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man, that's Jesus, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Not in life, not the most glorious circumstances. And his death wasn't exactly the happiest either. In Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul tells us, that being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Let's just remind ourselves here. Death on a cross was brutal. It was nasty. It was the worst type of death that the Romans could possibly come up with. Death on a cross was reserved for thieves and Slaves and, and for murderers. It's for the lowest of the low. And when Jesus went to the cross, 
<laughs> they ripped his skin, they burst his arteries, they severed his nerves. He experienced unimaginable pain. And yet, our Lord Jesus still exuded joy. Poverty couldn't take it away. Disappointments and rejection by other people couldn't take away his joy. Even death on a cross couldn't take away his joy. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read this. For the joy before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our Lord Jesus New pain, new suffering, knew the brokenness of this world, and he knew the joy of the Lord. So, going back to Paul, when he says rejoice always, well, kind of makes sense. Paul himself wasn't a stranger to suffering or misery either, right? He was rejected. And the whole reason he's writing this letter to the Thessalonians, that's what 1 Thessalonians is, he was in Corinth writing to, Thessal to the, the Christians in Thessalonica. The whole reason he was writing that letter is because he got ran out of town. He was preaching about Jesus, he was preaching the gospel, and they said, get out pushed him out, and they followed him all around the Mediterranean trying to, well, kill him, right? The Apostle Paul, he, he was rejected. He was stoned several times. I mean, could you imagine having a stone thrown at you? I couldn't. And he got up, and what did he do? He kept preaching. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. The Apostle Paul, he, he experienced shipwrecks. He was imprisoned. And yet, he says, rejoice. And when we read about him and his life, what does he do? We see this. He's in prison at midnight, and he's singing songs to the Lord. <laughs> he embodied joy. And so someone like that, they could tell us, they could tell the church to be joyful. The, the early Christian church why is the church, was the church uh, famous or known? What was the church known for? A lot of times it was for the joy that they had in their brokenness, in their pain. And so what does all this mean for us? No matter what your life may be like right now, this one great truth makes everything worthwhile. Jesus Christ was born to die for you and to give you life and salvation and the forgiveness of sins. And that, that, my friends, that is our source of joy. And you may be wondering, well, Maybe that's for other people. How do I know that it's for me? How do I know that this joy should impact how I live? Well, 
What do the angels say? I bring you, to the shepherds, they say this, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I think that includes you and me and everyone. Thanks be to God. 11-year-old Riley was going through a little bit of a emotional turmoil when she moved across the country from Minnesota to California, to San Francisco. Not only Riley, but her core emotions were also turned upside down. Emotions like joy and sadness. Emotions like, well, uh, let me just... Disgust and fear and even anger. And when she moved, if you've seen the movie Inside Out, this is a Disney movie, and when she moved, her emotions were in a tizzy. And so what the movie is about is we see how these emotions who will run the control center in her mind and, and control her feelings and her memories, how they're fighting and working to make her happy. And especially joy, right? Joy is working really hard to keep Riley happy in the midst of all this transition. Riley's missing her friends. Riley's missing her hockey team. Riley's missing playing in Minnesota. Everything is, is upside down and inside out. And Joy is working so hard to keep Riley happy, she even does it at the expense of sadness, right? And sadness keeps getting in there, and, and sadness will touch a memory that Riley has, and oh, all of a sudden there's a little bit of sadness and joy in this memory. And, and Joy does everything she can to keep sadness away, to keep her out. She doesn't want Riley to be upset. But as things melt down, both for Riley and in this control panel of her life, Joy, in a very touching moment, finally hands over the controls to sadness. And when she does so, Riley, for the first time, is able to just let it all out, to break down, to cry, and to express to her parents her feelings of hurt and sorrow. And it's at that moment that her parents are able to love her and hug her and tell her, that they understand. And through the tears that Riley has streaming down her face, she also gives a contented smile. We pan back to the control center, and what we see is this. Both sadness and joy are at the controls. Sadness and joy can coexist in our lives. You don't have to stuff down the bad feelings. You don't have to put on a fake smile, especially here at church. You don't have to put on your Sunday's best because 
Sometimes it's through tears that we also experience the joy that the Lord gives us. Why is this important? Why, why is it important for, for us? Why is it important for the world to experience joy? Well, I'd say because joy gives us strength. That's what Nehemiah chapter 8 says. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It gives us strength to endure the hard times, the brokenness, knowing that Jesus is coming back and that we're going to be healed, that on that day he's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. Joy not only gives us strength to endure, but it gives us the ability in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of sadness, in the midst of pain, it gives us the ability to love others. One of the things that we're doing as a congregation these few weeks is that we're, we're partnering with Father Dyer Methodist Church in Breckenridge. And we're partnering with them to collect canned food. We're doing this because we want to show the joy of the Lord. It's a way that we can express this love to those who, who need to know about Christ, to care for them. And on our worship handout on the back here, there's a list of things that we need. Canned black beans, refried beans, rice, jelly, hearty soups, all these sorts of things. We have, up to this point, uh, collected something like 600 pounds of food, and our goal is to collect 1,000. So maybe if you're here on vacation and you need to run to the grocery store to get food, you buy a few things extra so that you can bring it by the church. Maybe on your way down the hill when you're leaving, you realize, ah, we've got some food that's unused. Bring it by the church. This is our way that we can show the joy of the Lord to our community. Joy, joy is contagious. We can share the love and joy of Christ. So whether you're having the best of times or the worst of times in your life, know this, that our Lord Jesus was born to give you life, to give you salvation, to give you joy. Amen. Please stand as we sing our next hymn, Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord is come.
Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord God Almighty, on this most holy night we come before you in awe at the wonder and majesty of the Incarnation. The Savior of the nations has come, and with joy we greet our newborn King. Let the proclamation of his birth sound forth throughout the world. Give to your church faithful pastors to proclaim the good tidings of his birth, and give, you, give to your people willing ears to hear and believe. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless churches, schools, in every place where the good news of God in our flesh is taught. Guide our hearts to discern the voice of truth from error. Lead us to know and confess with all joy the good news of our Savior, that those who hear may rejoice with us and the holy angels to worship Christ, the newborn King. Lord, in your mercy. God of peace. Look on the nations of this world, 